Welcome to Cauldron of Worlds. Episode 21, Comics vs. Books. Well, hello and welcome again to Cauldron of Worlds. I'm Chad Corey, and this is the getting close to one of the last episodes of the second season of this podcast. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, what we like to do on this podcast is look at world building from a macro to micro approach. And that's what we've been doing for the last two seasons here, talking about different topics and ideas that help thicken the air and get us to a point where you're able to hopefully be able to have some inspiration and some insight and ideas on where you can take your world setting, whatever the topic is being covered for that particular episode. And what I'd like to do now is with the last few episodes that remain of this particular uh, season is focus on some things that I've touched on before in previous episodes, but I wanted to get a little bit more in depth and share a little bit of my own personal experience with what I've been doing and what I've learned uh, along the way when it comes to various formats for your world setting. And again, I'm speaking a little bit more generically in the sense that you can have fantasy world settings, science fiction, and just about anything else in between. And when I when I say world setting, don't automatically default to like a fantasy world, although that's maybe what you're doing for yours. But I wanted to keep it open here, and this is can, this can be used for any any world setting that uh, that you create for just about any format, as we'll talk about in the next few episodes here. I wanted to start off by looking at, in particular, the book versus comic book kind of equation here as far as a side-by-side comparison, because that's probably where most of the people who are listening to this podcast are going to develop their worlds initially. I'm sure some will be on the role-playing and game side, and we'll get into that in, in some future episodes, but today I wanted to focus on what I thought would be the most popular as far as what people are going to want to do and, and build their worlds for. And I want to share a little bit about what I've learned, what works well in that industry as far as what's good to have done, how to build your world, how to make better use of your time and resources so you don't end up having uh, doing all this extra work and stuff for things that aren't necessarily going to be to your benefit or even be used for that uh, format or even for the world setting in general. So let's dig into that here in particular. Let's start with comic books since that's probably what a lot of you are looking at, like I said initially. And it may seem kind of deceptive that it might be an easy thing to do as opposed to the prose side of the coin because you're basically just designing it for a visual medium. And that's that's partially true. My experience has been you're still going to have to have the background and information fleshed out and figured out. And a lot of the resource material that we've been talking about so far basically figured out and established. The challenge is with that is having the visual component. Now, that isn't always the case with the prose line of thinking, but I, I tend to get more visual in that area because I like to have, like I said before, more of a transmedia approach, which means I, I design the worlds that I design for my use uh, for just about any and all functions and purposes. So if, if it gets picked up by movies, for example, there's a, some information there that you can use for that, for comics and and games and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of the heavy lifting already done, and there's kind of a consistency to the overall design and look and feel and things for the, the settings in general, which help, I think, for me, make the stories more uh, consistent and believable, but also helps the people that take it on 
for those various formats uh, gives them a leg up and keeps things consistent and um, easy to maintain and manage as well overall. But with the comic side, you do have to consider, like I said, the visual aspect of that, and that will be something that you have to design ahead of time. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, if you're not an artist, you'll have to secure the services of said artist for designing some of that work. And I'd recommend probably before you initially start a project, having the main cast and, and crew at least thumbnailed out or, or sketched out to some extent so you have a basic working idea of what what they look like. An easy way to do that too is figure out the main, you know, whatever whatever the main races or monsters would be, kind of get those figured out and fleshed out too. So there's an overall sense of a a continuity or a consistency through everything. So you're not always having to reinvent the wheel when you design new characters and such. You know, for example, uh, if you have a, a different type of dwarf, for example, in your world, and they're not the typical dwarf you would expect in the generic fantasy, D&D, Lord of the Rings kind of thing, but something a little bit different in how they, how they are presented, it would probably be important to kind of get that figured out and fleshed out in the beginning for the race in general. So then if you add more characters or encounters in the story with certain people who belong to that racial group, you don't have to reinvent or rehab new, uh, new notes and things like that to the artist, and it keeps things consistent. And it, obviously it's going to be not that pressing if it's a human-based world or people look like humans, basically, or they have a different skin tone or whatever. It's, you know, it's kind of par for the course in our own world, but if you know, there's some drastically different variations and things that you wanted to incorporate into a racial group or or an area, or a creature, or a monster, or something. That is something that you'll have to get fleshed out ahead of time, and and figured out ahead of time. It just it will save you time and energy and effort later on, rather than having to do it on the spot when they start drawing it for the actual comic book. Obviously, with the structure of comics and graphic novels in general, there is a different pacing to the story. There's a different way stories are told, and so a lot of it, like we said already, is a visual thing, but also. A lot of it can be can be focused on a certain area or a certain scene or a certain region, and so you don't really have to get into a very great amount of detail on some aspects, but maybe a little bit more on others. What do I mean by that? Well, in the in the pro side of things, I would be able to write into the story the establishment of what the scene looks like. Well, you know the basic parameters of maybe if it's a room or the the wilderness, the terrain, what have you, and establish the basic, I always say a basic parameter of what, you know, what things look like, smells, sights, things, things that would be important for helping to set the mood and the tone and, and things like that without making it a, a big info dump or, you know, go overboard on it. But in the comic, you're basically doing that in the visual form and in a panel. I mean, you could have what it would take a couple of paragraphs in a book be expressed in like a panel or two in the, in the comic. So it's a, it's a more condensed form of storytelling, and also it's a more focused form of storytelling in the sense that you are able to get your story across in a very, sometimes very succinct way, and dialogue is different, obviously. I'm not going to get into whole compare and contrast with the two formats, but I'm trying to say basically there's a different way of preparing and establishing your world. When you do it for the comic side, yes, it's important to have the history and the background and the all the stuff we've talked about up to this point, but it's also important to have a visual aspect to it, fleshed out how everything looks. And when you say blue, 
what do you mean by blue? There are, there are several different shades of blue, obviously, unless it's not important to you. So those are things to take into consideration because, you know, if you don't get that stuff figured out initially when you first design the world, then you have to do it later on or maybe someone else does it for you and then you don't like what they do and you got to change it and stuff. So, again, it's thinking on a, in a larger scale than you might otherwise have. For example, if I write in the book, and again, we, we say blue, for maybe someone has a, a blue shirt on or they have a blue banner in the background for the, the enemy for their, their banner, their crest on it. And I could say in there in the text version, I could say it's the color of you know the sky or the blue, you know, a dark blue shirt. It's not really important in the in the book because we let the reader visualize what that means. But when you have a comic book, the person who is coloring it, or maybe that's you, has to make a decision. And if you don't tell them, you know, give them an idea idea of what that shade of blue is, for example, they're free to make it up whatever they want. So again, those are those are things that you not, might not necessarily think about if you're doing a general world design overview. But again, if you're doing a very visual heavy format of it, those are things you'll have to figure out and maybe even have a color guide and a reference guide for things that you might not, like I said, might not have necessarily thought about in general. And that goes the same for different types of armor, clothing, equipment, weapons, I mean, just about anything, architecture, which you could get away with in a prose book by just saying, you know, is a, a square building, you know, a two-story area made of wood and some plaster and whatever. You know, again, just kind of painting the parameter, giving a basic overview of what it looks like. But you can't necessarily get away with that when you do comics because you have to kind of have an idea of what it actually is. And usually you have to have some type of reference you give the artist to kind of put things together. So again, it's thinking about that's where having cultural references and having a visual thumbnail for these creatures and things like we talked about before comes in handy because you can use that as an easy guide to point your artist to and you can say look this is you know it's like a Tudor style or it's like a you know 1300s French building or you know whatever the case is you're modeling your culture or, or architecture on and you can share that with people and that's an easier reference than always having to you know figure things out and write everything out in the beginning. But again, you might want to give a little bit of extra thought to that, and that it goes for monsters, how things look, and stuff like that. Because again, with the book side, you don't have to really get into all that uh, all that information initially with that precision and detail. Now, on the flip side of that, the benefit with working on the comics is you don't have to necessarily explain everything up front to your reader because it's a visual story and usually again depends on the format if a comic it's usually shorter than a graphic novel there is a finite form of of story that you can tell within those pages usually there's a, a page limit restriction if unless you're self-publishing but even then usually it's a a certain range of pages that fall within the normal parameters for what's you know profitable and in publishable for most places and, and uh, rackable for most places to sell. But with the pro side of the coin, you usually end up having a larger story you can tell, and you have to have a little bit more detail in as far as the background and, and things go because you have to explain that to the reader. Whereas with a comic, the reader is introduced to people instantaneously. I mean, they literally turn the page or go to the next panel and wham, there's a new person right there. And you don't have to explain in the comic, well, he's, you know, about six feet tall and kind of a slender build and da-da-da-da-da. You don't have to do that because it's there. They see it. It's instantaneous. So it's more dialogue-driven and it's more, you know, the visuals are already there. 
With the book, you have to have a lot of that background figured out and established for overall continuity and consistency like we've been talking about in previous episodes. And so it's important to have a basic guideline, like we said, established for how everything looks, how everything established, histories, cultural preferences, norms, all that kind of stuff that we've talked about previously, having that established and fleshed out to put into and introduce readers to in that particular story. Even if it's a short story or a novella or a standalone novel, you're still going to have to have a means of introducing characters, backgrounds, all that kind of stuff to people in a in a very hopefully concise way unless you want to get you know more verbose with it and that's your choice but even when you introduce like a, a ruin or something or just a, a city or something usually i mean you can do it generically and say they want to enter the city and that can work but usually you have to have a little bit of a background at least in the back of your mind or things or cultural elements you can pull on that pull everything together in the narrative and, and keep it consistent Maybe the streets are laid out a certain way. I mean, there's subtle things you can do that you want to keep down on the, the wordage. But there's subtle things you can do with like the street designs, how the structures are aligned, maybe hint at a former ruin that was rebuilt or something around the outskirts of the town, things like that. So, But that's all stuff you have to know. You have to have figured out and have to have fleshed out before you start writing. So everything, again, is consistent and overall continuity is there. So again, there's some you know, comparing, contrasting things you might want to consider or maybe haven't considered when you look at the two options. Neither of them is either bad for in and of themselves or just different ways of telling story. Now, that isn't to say you can't have a very narrative-heavy comic or graphic novel story. Those have been done before. Those can be and have been successful in the past. But more often than not, they're, they're a little bit sparser on the narrative and they're more heavy on the dialogue and it's a more faster-paced type of read. And when I say focused, it's more of a regional or an area-based story. Like, for instance, maybe the, the comic takes place in and around one location, like a city. And then the idea is to get from the city to their next location. Or maybe it's a couple locations in there. You're basically establishing the, the characters and the, the environment and, like I said, maybe transitioning them to another part of that environment for the second issue. The graphic novel, maybe it's a self-contained element. You know, it could be epic. It could be, you know, whatever the scope is. But usually, again, this has just been my experience, the the scope of the graphic novel or the comic is not necessarily the same scope as you would expect or experience with a prose novel series. Usually with prose or prose series, you can have a lot going on in a, in a short period of time. And you can have world-spanning events in, in a whole big group. I mean, sometimes these stories can get, you know, 12-part epic sagas and things like that. Not to say you can't get that big with graphic novels, but usually they stick, like I said, within a region or a segment of the story per each per each installment. Now, you can argue that the same is true with books, with each part of the, the series as well, and you're, you're, you're true on that. But like I said, you have to have a lot more information that you have to share in the book because you're not getting it visually with the comic. And so that is something that I would encourage you know people to think about, whatever you're gearing yourself toward. Now that's the benefit of what I've learned from doing that myself, is that I have, like I said, I've gone with the transmedia option to push forward on the the world design of things. That way, I have everything ready. So I have a visual approach when I do things, and I have a more prose-heavy approach, and I have an approach to other things, which we'll talk about in the upcoming episodes as well. But that's kind of, like I said, I want to give you a little a summary of that. I think we touched a little bit, like I said, on previous episodes about these ideas, but I wanted to kind of summarize them a little bit easier so people can come back later to these episodes in particular 
and see what might be better for them. Again, there's no right or wrong reason to do this for your world setting. It's really where you think your world has the most strength. If you think it's going to be a very more visually attractive type of world, it's going to lend itself well to more comic-based stories, then I would certainly look at making a comic graphic novel-based world setting for it. But if you think it's one that's more uh, prose-leaning or just better for short stories, novels, you know, trilogies, what have you, it might be a better way to flesh it out that way. Or, like I said, for me, if that's your case too, maybe you want to have it done for both. So again, take a moment, set aside with that. As you finish things up with your world setting, figure out where its greatest strengths are and what would be where you could play with that and uh, get the maximum benefit and use out of it and what you got to do to kind of get it to that point if it's not there yet. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this particular episode of Coldwind Worlds. Thank you so much for your time and taking an interest in this series. I also wanted to do a little plug here real quick at the end. I am looking at putting together a question and answer session, hopefully, probably by the last episode of the year. So if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to send them my way. You can send them to cauldron, that's C-A-U-L-D-R-O-N, at chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E.com. And I'll be looking forward to seeing what comes in and see what I can answer in that particular episode. And even if you just want to drop a line and say where you're listening from or how you found out about the podcast, that would be helpful for me because I'm looking to see kind of where this reaches and who's who's checking into it and if it's even really a you know, benefit to those people in question as well. But in the meantime, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.